Well, good evening. Thankful to be with you all and for the opportunity to preach from the Word of God. And if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll, we'll read the first 10 verses of the chapter, and, we'll, and then we'll ask the Lord for the Lord's blessing upon the service. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, it says this, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, and his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's have a word of prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing once again upon this service. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful that we can come unto you through the blood of Jesus Christ, that you've made, you've made a way that we can have access to thee. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that thou art a God who is a holy God and a righteous God. But Lord, you're a, you're, you're a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather around thy word. I ask that you would bless it for thy own name's sake. Would you glorify and use your word? We know that you've promised that you're, where, where until you've sent your word, you would, it would not return void. So we claim that promise tonight. And I pray that you would speak to my heart as I give it, Lord, that you would fill me with thy spirit, and that thy words would come out of my mouth and not mine own. And Lord, I thank you for this church. We ask for thy blessing upon it. And we ask that you'd use it to reach lost souls amongst Oxford and the surrounding areas of the United Kingdom. Lord, we thank, we're thankful for your precious word. Help us to hold it dearer and dearer to us. And Lord, we love thee, but it's because you first loved us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, I draw your attention. Um, get sorted here. You know, I've not been in England long. You have to, you have to bear with me. Um, I'd like to preach a message with God's help this evening on whose child are you? And um, whose child are you? Here in our text that we've just read, if you, if, I'd like to draw your attention to verse 1. And it says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Aren't you thankful tonight that we have a God who's made us alive in Christ? We have a God who's, who's made us alive spiritually. Uh, I'll, t I'll tell you this, us amongst this tent tonight, we have breath in our lungs. We have life. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ that's quickened us while we were dead 
in trespasses and in sins. And in the first verses 2 and 3, it talks about that there was children that were children of wrath, children of disobedience. Twice it mentions it. If you look again in verses 2 and 3, that's the first group uh, of people that we see here, of children that we see. It says, wherein in time past we walked, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, and among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Notice twice there it says the children of disobedience in verse 2, and in verse 3 it says the children of wrath, even as others. And it is true. Who, who, who tonight would say that, that you're a sinner? Well, the word of God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says, we all had our conversation in times past. That's every single one of us. And if you're here tonight, you'd say, well, I don't think that involves me. Then I would say this, then you're still dead in your trespasses and sins. If you haven't come to that place in your life where you realize that you were uh, a children of wrath, that children of wrath means simply this, uh, you're still some, uh, someone who has the wrath of God abiding upon them. Isn't that a scary thought to think about tonight? Uh, the children of wrath are those that are still have the divine judgment of God abiding upon their life. Was it Jonathan Edwards that preached and said, uh, and preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? And he preached how, how terrible of a thing it would be that if, if you were to die in your sins, dead in your sins, and were to drop off into, into, into hell. And, and this says people were holding on to the pillars uh, inside of the church. And, they, and they were, they were, they were, all he did was just simply read his sermon. He wasn't some wonderful speaker he, or anything like that. He was just preaching the word of God to them. But, and there are still people today who are under the wrath and judgment of God. Here in, the, in our text, it talks about those children of wrath, children of disobedience. And notice who falls under that category. It says, among whom also we all had our conversation. We all conducted ourselves at one time as children of wrath. By nature, it says, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Um, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't, I, there's some tonight that I probably don't have to convince that, that, that you're a sinner. But there could be some in here tonight that might take some convincing. You might think that you're a little bit self-righteous and that you're good enough to get to heaven on your own. But I'll say this. Here in our text, it talks about the lust of the flesh. It says in times past, the lust of the flesh. We fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And our flesh desires things that we see in this world, does it not? There are some times that we have to, we have to, we have to work on ourselves as we're walking by. We, we see something we shouldn't see. And, we, and I usually shake my head like this and think, oh, Lord, take that, take that out of my mind. What, what, I, what just passed through my mind? Hey, we have lusts of the flesh that we fight. And, and, and we fight that in the world. We also fight that with, you know, I think our biggest enemy is ourselves. My biggest enemy as a child of God, I believe, is myself. I have to fight my flesh daily. And, uh, we, and if, if we ought to be fighting our flesh and what our true nature. And here uh, it says, lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. The mind's a powerful thing, isn't it? The, 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 the mind, there's a great battle that takes place in our minds. And I believe it's, it's, it's a, such a spiritual battle because it, it, 
truly can't be seen. No one can look inside of your mind and see what's taking place. But uh, it, there is a battle that's taking place in our minds. And who all is in, is, has had their conversation as, 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 the, as this group of people? It says we all have had our conversation in times past as, as the children of wrath. At one point in time, we all have been under the condemnation and wrath of God. And here it says this, by nature the children of wrath. It makes me think of, of in Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 11. As a dog returneth unto his vomit, so a fool returns unto his folly. You know, what is a do- why, why does a dog return to his vomit? That's a di- I'm, not, I'm not trying to be crude this evening. And I'm not trying to be, most definitely not trying to be funny with this. But if you think about that, that's a disgusting thought. A dog would return unto his own vomit. Anyone ever seen that? I've seen that, and, and, I, and I've seen others uh, that have told me about that, and that's a disgusting thing. Why, why on earth would a dog do that? But then he likens it to, to, to sinners. Why would a dog return to his vomit? I submit to you tonight he would return to his vomit because there is some sort of pleasure in it, or else why would he do it? And you say, well, I don't, I don't really see the correlation. This is, this is an illustration from the word of God that God has given us. And, uh, and it says, so a fool returneth unto his folly. It's, it, a fool, there, there's, there's pleasure in sin for a season. Is there not? The word of God tells us that there is pleasure in sin for a season. Though it may be a short season, we'd all say it's, it's very quickly passing the pleasures of, of sin. But there is pleasure in sin for a season. You know why a fool returns unto his folly? Because there is some le- measure of pleasure in that a fool returns unto uh, so a dog returns unto his vomit secondly he returns unto his vomit because he's hungry he's just he's just ate some grass they'll eat grass and they'll 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 spew it back out it helps him to get everything out of there and uh after he's done that why would the dog go back to that he's hungry why do people go back to their sin because they're hungry and they're seeking for something to fill the void that's in their life and, and you know what, you know, that's the reason why people go back to their sin. They need it time and time and time again. And not only that, but not only does, are, are they hungry and they, they, seek, they seek to be filled in the wrong places, but also it doesn't last. The dog, when he returns into his vomit, that's already a pre-masticated food. It's not going to hold him very long, is it? Same with the sinner that returns time and time again to his folly. It's like eating a salad. I love salad. But I'll tell you that eating rabbit food like that, it doesn't hold me very long. I don't know if it does you, but I know for me, I'm just speaking for myself, doesn't hold, hold me very long. Well, that, that, that is the same way with sin. It'll hold you for a little bit, but it doesn't last. And then what do you have to do? What, what, is, what does those who are walking after the course of this world have to do again? It isn't long till they go right back to it. And it isn't long, and they have to go back again to it, and again, and again, and again. And uh, those are the children of, of wrath. Those are those who are, who are under the condemnation and wrath of God. And we all have conducted ourselves as such at one point in our life until we came to know Christ. And here, that's a disgusting thing. That's a disgusting thing in our eyes. 
But I want you to notice it's just as disgusting to God and detestable in God's eyes when he looks at especially the Christian who, go, who go, returns back unto it, uh, his sin, time and time and time again. You know, that is that just as disgusting as it was, uh, the thought of you thinking that with the dog, the Lord, I believe the Lord looks upon that in the same manner. And that's why he gave us the illustration of it. It's, it is this detestable. That's what does it say? Um, he prefer you to be neither either hot nor cold. If you're lukewarm, he wants to what? Spew you out of his mouth. And um, all of us, there's no one excluded. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who you are. We've all, we all tonight can admit that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, but I'm thankful that we're not left in that state, aren't you? We're not left in that state of filth and and. and uh, disgustingness. We're not left in that state. Notice in verse 4 what it says. Now that we've noticed the first group of children tonight, it's the children of wrath. Notice who they're following before we read verse 4. Who, who is their leader? It says in verse 2 here, according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. Who, who are those children of wrath following tonight? The prince and the power of the air. If I could say the little G God of this world. And they're following him. And essentially, their father is the devil. And they're, they're, they're not a child of God. They're, they're, they're a, a, a child. They're, they're the heathen, really. That's what the word of God says, that if you're without Christ, you're a heathen. Lost in your sin. Dead in your trespasses and sin, as it, sins, as it says here. But look in verse 4. Aren't you thankful that we're not left with that? But it says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. I'm thankful that, notice the wording of this. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. It didn't say, but God who has mercy. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. Uh, he has, that means he has lots of mercy to give. It says in, I believe it's First Peter, uh, it says, he's begotten us again, uh, the God who, uh, he's um, abundant, he's, I'm, I'm misquoting it, but God who is abundant in mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope. Hey, that, that, that abundant mercy means more than enough mercy. It means more than enough mercy for, for every one of us who will come to him. Hey, we have a God who is rich in mercy. He, he doesn't only own a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills. He is rich in mercy tonight. I'm thankful that I have a God who is rich in mercy. And not only that, but I'm relieved and glad that it's by his tender mercies that we are not consumed. Let us remember, it is by God's tender mercies that we're not consumed and left in the state that we just read about previously, left dead in our trespasses and sins. It's by his tender mercies that we're not consumed, that he allowed us to hear the gospel time after. For me, I heard the gospel hundreds of times before I accepted Jesus Christ. And there could be someone here tonight, you've heard the gospel multiple times, you've Felt God drawing you to himself, but you've not yet come to the place where you've given your heart to Jesus or you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can I say this? Uh, we have a God who is going to chide with you. Law, he's going to chide long with you. He's, he's, he's full of mercy. And not only is it by his tender mercies that we're not consumed, it's the same mercy that's new every morning. Aren't you thankful God's mercies are new every morning? I am. And uh, mercy is us not getting what we deserve. This morning, I was getting Adeline ready for church, 
and I was a little bit short on mercy. Uh, I get like that a lot, but I was getting short on mercy. I told her seven times to get dressed, and she wouldn't do it. And I said, all right. I said, I said that's it. You're, get, you're getting a spanking. And I've been studying this passage, and I went to spank her, and I thought, I can't do it. I know she deserves this, but I'm not going to do it. And, and my wife would say that I do that too much, that, I, that I'll, I'll, I just keep giving. But you know why God is rich in mercy? Our text reveals that to us. If you look here in verse 4, it says, But God who is rich in mercy, why is he rich in mercy? For his great love, wherewith he loved us. What fuels God's mercy tonight? His love, his love for us. What fueled me not giving my daughter what she deserved this morning? Because I thought, you know, I really love her, and I'm going to give her an, an eighth chance. Way too many. That I was showing her mercy. Before we say, well, Dylan, you should have just brought the hammer down. She should have got gotten a swath. Can I say this? God has chided long with us with his mercy. Time and time and time again. He has, given, he has returned mercy to us when we didn't deserve it. Mercy is us getting something uh, that, we, that we did not deserve. And, but God who is rich in mercy, the same mercy that's new every morning. And here we see that we have a God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Why is he so merciful to us? He's, because of his great love for us. Uh, that's the only thing, that's the, that's the fuel that's, adding to the fire of God's mercy is, is, is he, he loves us. It says, while we were yet sinners, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And in verse 5, notice it's second time in our, in, our, in our text in Ephesians 2, it says, in verse 1, you have ye quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And look in verse 5, even when you, we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you are saved. Anytime you see something twice, and especially that close in Scripture, it's for emphasis. So let's place the emphasis where God places the emphasis tonight. And he places it on that even while we were yet dead in our sins, Christ died for us. And he, 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 his great love for us. He, he was willing to die on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. He loved us. Many of us would not love someone such so unlovely as that. But Christ did. He loved, he, he loved us at our, at our ugliest point. He loves us. And in verse 6, it says this, And hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not only has he loved us and he's quickened us, he's made us alive spiritually. Literally, that means to be made alive. He's made us alive spiritually, but he's raised us up together. Uh, he, whenever, whenever someone gets baptized, buried with Christ in baptism, Raised to walk in newness of life. Uh, that newness of life, he's raised us up in newness of life that, that we have the opportunity to live differently. But even that is, is, a, is an amazing thing. That we now have the opportunity not only to be saved, but to, be, but to live for him. To live for his honor and his glory and newness of life. To live a changed life. To glorify God with your life. What an opportunity. That he, and not only that, he even gives us something else with, with this. And made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love that. You know what he's given us? Not only has he given us salvation, spiritually speaking. Not only has he given us uh, this newness of life that we can walk in. But he's given us himself. 
that we can have a relationship with. Now, now we, are, we are one of his, one of, one of his children. We, we can have an intimate relationship where we can speak through, to him through Jesus Christ. That is, think about what we had, not as a child of God, and then what he's given us in Christ. It says, and it says, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's given us so much in, in Christ Jesus. And look in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's the second time in this passage we've seen riches. And notice what it was connected to. We've seen he was rich in mercy, and his riches are also connected to his grace. I think they're trying, it's, as well in this passage, they're trying to tell us something. That God is rich in mercy, but he's also rich in his, in his grace. And giving us what we don't deserve. His unmerited favor. And that leads straight into, I b- believe this is a well-known verse. I've probably never preached on this text, I'll be honest with you. This verse, though, is, is probably what I've preached on before. Is For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That gift of God, for by grace are you saved through faith. That same grace, that unmerited favor, that getting something you don't deserve. It's almost as if this morning, if I wouldn't have spanked my daughter, even though she deserved that, and then I popped out a lolly and gave it to her. That's, that's essentially, I know that's a, terrible, that's a terrible illustration, but that's essentially what God has done for us. He's not given us what we deserve, and then he gives us something that we didn't deserve. Eh, 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 that, what a trade. What a trade. He, that he, he's given us what we don't deserve. He's given us salvation, forgiveness of sin. Oh, that's an amazing, what a wonderful truth. And here it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. There is no other way that you can be saved than by grace. And it's, it is of God's grace. It says, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Wow, we could, we could talk about the gift of God. Whenever someone brings you a gift, I know that my most favorite gifts are the ones that are really thoughtful gifts. Really thought, put a lot of thought behind it, which I'm terrible at uh, in giving. But I, that, those are the ones that mean the most, right? Can I tell you this? The Lord Jesus put quite a bit of thought in providing the, the gift of salvation for you and for me. He's, he, he actually sweated uh, drops of blood before he went to the cross of Calvary. He went under the strain and, and weight of that. He still went to the cross. And he put much thought behind purchasing that gift of salvation, and he offers it as a free gift. Tonight, you can't force anyone to take a gift. What, what has to be done with the gift? I know you know this. It has to be accepted. You can't, you can't, you can't say, well, here, take, take it, take it, take it. Oh, come on, take it, take it. That's forcing it on them, and, and maybe they feel bad and they finally take it. But a gift has to be accepted by the other party. It's not earned. If if, 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 you, if you were to say, I'm going to give you a gift, and now I'm, I've, I've got it for you, I'd like to, I'd like to have 100 pounds for that, there would be no, you'd say, what? That's no longer a gift. Why? Because they had to pay something for it. The wonderful gift about salvation is that Jesus Christ paid for it all. And he, all, he paid for it with his own blood. And he, and he stands and offers it to anyone who'll take it. And he says, here, I've, this is the gift I have for you. The gift of eternal life. I've purchased it with my own blood. I've bled sweat, sweat drops of blood down, down the sides of my face for it. And, and, and I've went to the cross for you. 
and you, it would take a fool. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. It would take a fool tonight to reject that gift, the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. It would take an absolute fool. But you know what? There are many fools in this world. Because the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And there's how many people know someone tonight that's, that you've met in England that says there is no God. You know, there, there are many people tonight, and there's, there could be people in here that say there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And it's a free gift. It cannot be forced on you. The Lord Jesus is a gentleman. He doesn't force that on you. You have to accept it. Tonight, if you're here tonight and you're one of the children of wrath, please accept the gift of God. I plead with you to accept the gift of God tonight. And it says here, uh, and not of works, lest any man should boast. One of the reasons why salvation could not be earned, because if you could earn it, then you could lose it. But it's, it's absolutely based on nothing we can do. And it's everything that Jesus did for us. And it, because, because it's based on that, you can't lose it, and you can't even gain it on your own. It's what he's purchased for you. All you have to do is accept it. And, and accept it, and he, it's, it's, it has nothing to do uh, with you. And if you're basing your salvation on who you are as a person, then you're not, then you're not taking your eyes off of yourself and onto the Savior. If, if, if you're still looking to yourself for salvation and say, ah, maybe I'll be good enough at some point, you're, you're being self-righteous. And you've not yet taken yourself, your eyes off of yourself and looked upon the Savior. There's a C.H. Spurgeon, I believe, that when, whenever he came to know Christ, uh, the man was preaching, uh, look and live in the chapel that night. And for the first time, C.H. Spurgeon finally took his eyes off of himself and looked to the Savior. He looked and he lived. He, and, and he was given eternal life. And, and uh, hey, he finally took his eyes off of himself. There's, there's people like that tonight. There could be people amongst this tent that they, they think they're self-righteous and good enough to get to heaven. They need to look to Jesus. And uh, look in, in verse, verse 10. This is one of really the next portion of, of the passage I wanted to get to. because It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I love that verse. It says, for we are his workmanship. When a craftsman is, is working on something, a fine craftsman, that one who's worth his salt anyway, he, he's going to craft and he's going to work on that piece of wood that he's working on. And when he's done with it, he goes, wow, look at, well, this might be a bit prideful, but he says, look at my workmanship. Anyone ever done that with a job? I know I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I heard of a pastor once who he had just finished something in the church and he stepped back was looking at his work and he tripped clear over all of his tools and he, and he said well probably shouldn't have been built up with pride about how good of a job I had done but hey it says we are his workmanship whenever you become a new creature it says his workmanship created in Christ Jesus hey we've noticed the children of wrath tonight children of, of the devil the ones who are walking still dead in their trespasses and sins they haven't given their life to Christ but look here it says in for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Hey, he's created us anew. He's given us new life. We're a, a new creature. What does it say? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hey, he's created. We're created in Christ Jesus. A workmanship unto good works. You know, he has saved us for a purpose. 
He saved us. For, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus uh, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But we've been given a new father. You know, as a child of God, you've been given a heavenly father. You know, tonight, I don't have to convince too many people of who your father is. And you say, well, I never know more. How about this? I don't have to convince you of who your family is. I'm a renter. Everyone knows the Renner family in St. Mary's, West Virginia. You have no, you, you don't care a bit about that. Um, but I'm still working it, moving over here now. So, but everyone knows that name in my little community of a thousand people or eight hundred people, and it, you go off of, off a last name basis. And and so tonight, let's stop playing games with God. There are people in I believe in this tent tonight. God led me to this passage. I've I've never preached out of this chapter in my life. There are people in this tent that need to stop playing games with God. You're either a child of God or you're not. You're, or you're still a child, a, a, a part of the children of disobedience. A, a child of, of the children of wrath. A child who's still under the wrath and condemnation of God. You know, you don't have to convince someone of where they're at, who their family is. Tonight, are you part of the family of God? Are you a child of God? And that, that is, whose child are you? You know, we, as a child of God, we have a different heavenly father. I've heard from someone once, well, you know that we're all God's children. That couldn't be farther from the truth. I've heard of some, some, some people down south in America, they go, well, you know, we're all God's children. No, we're not all God's children. Any man that is in Christ is a child of God. But we don't just wake up and we're born in the, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, are we? No one would say that tonight. If you're a Christian, you know there was a time and place in your life where you, be, you know for a fact you cried out to God and became one of his children. You called on to him for salvation. And um, tonight, are you part of the heathen? There's children of wrath. Or are you a child of God and know that he is your heavenly father? I think of the prodigal son. When he was in a far country, and he was slopping, he was eating of the slop of the hogs and wasting his, his inheritance, was he ever, did he ever stop becoming the father's son? There was never one time in that passage where it says that the father was no longer the, the, boy, the boy's father any longer. Hey, he, 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 he was still his father. Nothing can change that relationship. If you're, if you're a child of God tonight, if you've accepted Christ, nothing can ever change that fact. As far, no matter how far away you backslide, you're still, nothing's going to ever change the fact that you're still a child of God. And that's not giving you a license to do that. Uh, but but I'm, I'm just saying that, that this illustration of the prodigal son, he had a father and he's always going to be his father. But you know where he knew to go? He knew he could go back to the Father. Tonight, if you're away from God, you know where to go. Go back to the Father. Go back to your Father, if he is your Father. And if he's not your Father, would you accept Christ? Would you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and, and be given access to, to Father God in heaven? And here, it says if, you know, we, we need to stop playing games with God. There are some that have not found the way to the Father. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, the Lord Jesus 
uh, said, but by me. There could be some here tonight. Look in verse 12. It says this in verse 12. I just want to make a couple more mentions in this, in this text of, of a couple of things that I think sum up the, the chapter very well. Verse 12, it says that, that at that time ye were without Christ. Notice it says that ye were without Christ. There's a group of people that are without Christ. Then look in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Tonight there's two groups of people. I've already, I've already, we've already looked at it in the text. It's the children of wrath and, the, and, and a child of God, children of God. And it says here that there's those who that are without Christ at one time, but now are in Christ Jesus. There are those tonight that are in Christ. What, what, what a comfort, what a peace that brings. And uh, in the next verse, it, it, it talks about that peace. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God and one body to the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace. Three different times in those verses, it talks about that for he is our peace, he's made peace. And he, what, what is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? It's a message of peace. You want to have peace with God? You can have peace with God through me. Uh, for he is our peace. He not only is he, is he our peace, he, he's made peace by reconciling us to God. And the message upon his lips, and he came and came and preached peace to you while you were afar off. I want you to notice just one other thing. <clears throat> Twice it says we're far off or made nigh. The first time in verse 13 it says we're far off, made nigh by the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord for the blood of Jesus Christ that made us nigh unto salvation. But there are some tonight that might, as, feel, as King Agrippa, King Agrippa, what did he say to Paul? He said, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. That's what he said to, to Paul. He said, almost, Paul. Oh, I'm, I'm right there. He was nigh, but he'd never gone by the way of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ makes us nigh unto that salvation. And he, he, he said, almost thou persuadest me. He, he was considering it. If you're here tonight and you're considering salvation, or you know someone that is, why don't we pray for them? I've got a couple people on my heart and mind right now that I've met since being over here. Actually, three. That they're on my heart, and I'm praying that they would, and I know they're considering the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that they, they would be drawn nigh unto him. But, and then sometimes there are those who are far off. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And in, in verse uh, 17, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. There are some that are afar off tonight. And there's some that are nigh. Only you know where you're at with God t this evening. Um, which, which family are you in? In verse 18, it says this. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. That, that we is talking about Jew and Gentile alike. I, I should have mentioned that throughout. There's many references to that in this chapter. Um, he's basic, Paul is basically saying there's no difference between Jew or Gentile. That they're all sinners. We all had our conversation in time past. 
what he was saying about all of them. But it also says that all of them have the same access to the Father. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Who, what is that access? It's that once by the Holy Spirit of God that we've been given access. That's Jew, Gentile, like any, any uh, nationality, background. We, there, we all have access to the Father, but it's by the same way, through the Holy Spirit of God. And then lastly, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I love how it ends, the end of the chapter. I'm not going to go any further for sake of time, but it says this, and and of the household of God. We were just talking about the children of wrath, children of God. And then it mentions here, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. It says, it says you're a part of the family of God now. Tonight, you know if you're a part of the family of God. If you look at the person to your left hand and to your right as your brother or sister, you, if you know if you look at them as such, as a part of the family of God. You know if you're of the household of God or not. Or not. And I'm, I'm very tired of people who, they, there are no, I'll say this, there are no orphans with God. And, I, and I'll explain it this way. You're either his child or you're not, and you know it. You know, sometimes maybe an orphan doesn't know who their father is, right? And they, they don't know. They never knew. They, they, were, they were orphans. There are no orphans with God. If you're his child, you know it. You don't need me to convince you. You don't need someone else to, to, to say something. You know in your heart if you're a child of God or not. I don't know that. But we'll give an answer for our soul, uh, to, to God for our soul. So this evening, I'll say it one more time, whose child are you? You're a child of God? And I, and I hope you are. When I was 14 years old, I, I became a child of God. And if you have a testimony, I, I hope you do. And I'd love to say that it was roses since the time that I accepted Christ, but it most definitely has not been. But I will tell you this, God is faithful. I'm thankful we have a faithful God and that he gives us access to the Father. We have access to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, whose child are you?